Welcome to the Eye of Terror. Welcome to episode 22 of the Eye of Terror. I'm George. And I'm Alec. And we play 40K. We've got some hobbying to talk about. Yes. And then finally the conclusion of our epic escalation game. The much anticipated finale. <laughs> Between the Cole Mechanicus and the Tau. This time we played 1850, so we'll get that get to that shortly. Uh first off, some some hobbying. Kind of light on hobbying this week. I've been pretty busy. Yeah. So I haven't been doing that much. Um I've been working on I've taken these awesome Forge World Iron Hands breachers and I cut off one of their arms. Mm-hmm. So instead of guns, they're awesome, awesome models. They're wearing Mark III or Mark IV armor. And they're very grim dark, and they're holding these awesome, like big shields with the iron hand symbol on it. Um, but I wanted to turn them into terminators, so I, I cut off their gun arm and I replaced it with uh, uh, thunder hammers. So now they're carrying thunder hammers, and they have these shields. So they're thunder hammer storm shield terminators, and I put them on rock bases, and they're they're looking awesome. They're not not quite done, but I'm like I would say ninety percent done with all of them. Mm. so they look good what do you think you've seen them so far yes i have seen them and they do look cool they look cool yes they do. yeah i can't wait to use them my my i'm i'm considering them using them in my lvo list <laughs> putting them in the spartan and having them come out it's a super expensive death star kind of thing yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna play test them with you with you probably to see see where they go see if they do well or... yeah yeah you should bring a lot of graph just to see how that spartan stands up to Grab attacks by the centurions or by. Um, I would imagine it wouldn't be. It's not going to do very well. Good. <laughs> it's probably not going to do well. But I just like, I'm following the rule of cool and I'm just modeling based on stuff that looks cool. So right now those guys look awesome. So happy about those. That's that's pretty pretty much it. I'm just finishing the bases on your, your Chaos Space Marines. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I just added a little like, like rocks, a little ballast, put a little glue down on, on the plain old bases. Um, added some ballast after the glue uh, dried I then took a mixture of Elmer's glue and water and thinned it out and then I apply that over the ballast over the little tiny little rocks and then that sort of seals it in place and that way I can paint over it and the little rocks won't come off and it works really really well that way you can paint it dry brush it do whatever and it makes for a super quick cool looking base so that's that's pretty much all that's left to do on the Chaos Space Marines otherwise they're they're done and they're looking great. We'll have photos of all of this on our Facebook page. So if you guys get a chance, definitely visit our Facebook page. The other thing we've been doing, the thing I've been doing and you've oh, been doing, yes. is playing way too much Overwatch. We, yes, it, it it has reached even us, like normal tabletop gamers. Yeah, I mean, we're, we kind of not played very many, very many video games in the last couple of years. We've been focusing so much board games and, and 40K in particular. Yeah. But man, this game came and really kind of took over my brain. <laughs> yeah, it really is quite the uh, addicting experience. It, it is. It, it caused me to even upgrade my computer significantly. Yeah. So, yeah, I got one of the new NVIDIA uh, GTX 1070 cards. Only to find that it was defective, and then I had to go back in and replace it, and then I even had to upgrade my power supply on my PC. Yeah. So that means I've so I've been doing some uh, some minor surgery on my PC just because this game is so addictive. <laughs> I needed I needed to play it at the highest resolution levels, and let me tell you that that 1070 card, 
makes it look gorgeous. It looks awesome. Yes, I we, can attest to this. It looks We have a 34-inch monitor, a Dell monitor, so we're mm. playing in super widescreen, maxed out with all of the uh, all the graphic settings, and it just looks awesome. So, so with that, we've been playing just a hell of a lot of Overwatch. Yeah. Yeah. But we've noticed some parallels. We've noticed some parallels between <laughs> the world of Overwatch and the world of 40K. So this this is this is what board geeks do in their free time. <laughs> we we have conversations of like, hey, if you know the Overwatch players were forty k factions, who would they be? Ah, oh, <laughs> these are the questions that need answers. We need so, to get to work on this. So so we have a list here of what we think are the uh, direct sort of um, linear descendants of Overwatch into forty k. Sort of the analogs, the Overwatch analogs to 40k, as, as close as right. they can match. Yeah, I think what's the most obvious one? The most obvious, of course, is Bastion being the uh, oh, those ever loving Tau. That's right. For <laughs> if any of you play the game for reasons I really don't need to explain, right? If you uh, for anyone who's not played Overwatch yet, right. and there's probably a few people who haven't because this is a 40k podcast. Bastion is the character that is basically a walking, he's a robot that turns into a turret. And then once he goes in the turret mode, it's, he just spits out like hundreds of rounds a second. And he's really cheesy. Oh, yes. Because what, he, what he'll do is he'll just sit on the point and then he'll just fire his chain gun and it does stupid amounts of damage in like really short periods of time. So... A lot of the uh, it's Tau like, tactic of it's sitting like a back. Tau gun line, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah the one man Tau gun line. Yeah, exactly. So that's that. Bastion is the Tau. Uh, Junkrat. Junkrat is a an Australian fellow <laughs> who, who is sort of insane. He has one yeah. leg, he has one peg leg, and he walks around with like this big tire strapped to his back. Yeah. And every once in a while, he pulls it out, and he it's called a rip tire, and he like has a motor on it, and he sends it toward his enemies, and it blows up. But he's kind of insane. He's always saying insane kind of things in an Australian accent. Yeah, his main weapon's uh, a grenade launcher. Oh, yeah. Just constantly shooting grenades everywhere he goes. Cackling maniacally the whole time. Oh, yeah. So we think the the closest 40K equivalent to that are the orcs. Yeah. They're just... Their sort of ramshackle technology look and their lack of care for their own personal safety... Yeah, it seems to coincide very well with Junkrat's yeah. personality. So Junkrat equals the orcs. Yep. Uh, there's a character called Reaper, and Reaper is sort of like this. Ugh. Yeah, this is a very. He kind of looks like uh, Death. He yeah, wa- he wears like a. He like wears a like hood a hood, and a skull looking. He has a skull looking mask. He's got uh, very almost claw looking gloves. Uh, he uses two shotguns, which for some reason he rewards by just throwing them on the floor and then. Grabbing new ones from wherever. Yeah. But so, he's sort of a ghost. But he's sort of a ghost thing that's in between life and death. death. Yeah. yeah. And then, then he sort of arises from the ground. He has some teleportability. So with all of that, we think that he's a good equivalent for the Necrons. Most, yeah. Like, like when the Necrons awake, all they want to do is kill. And they're in this sort of weird undeadish state. state. Yeah. Undeadish. Exactly. He has the weak enough look for them. Yeah, so perhaps only only missing neon green. <laughs> yeah, uh, his ultimate power is that he spins around yelling "die" or you know saying "die, die, die," which if, is very Necronish. If any, if any of, if any of you have ever seen the movie Equilibrium, like this really like cheesy, I think it was '90s sci-fi flick with Christian Bale. 
it, it's it's like the character in that who just spins around and does these ridiculous poses while shooting people. They, they created pistols. a martial art called gun Gunkata. Gun <laughs> I know. So that that's Reaper. Soldier seventy six. He's your. He's like the. Uh, he's like kind of like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. He's like this older guy that's sort of cynical and embittered. And he wears, walks around wearing a uh, 76 leather uh, jacket. Yeah, that's like red, white, and blue. Right. And he has a big gun that does a lot of, you know, a lot of damage. He, he, play, he plays like a first-person shooter character. Like yeah. any like generic first-person shooter character. Like if you start playing Overwatch, it's the character you probably want to start playing because he's so well-balanced. And you he's know, just... He, he does high damage. He moves fast, you know, and he takes a fair amount of damage. So for us, his sort of like, you know, kind of overpowered offense... Plus his, you know, stat line makes him think he, he's since he's like the base character, we see him as the Ultramarines. Yeah, he's like the he's the generic first person shooter character. So what better uh, army for him than the generic Ultramarines? Yes, exactly. So there you go. Soldier seventy six is an Ultramarine. Jack of all trades. The the we think the Eldar are best encapsulated by the character Hanzo in in Overwatch. Now let us explain. Right. Hanzo is an archer who is sort of associated with Japanese underworld. Yeah. And he did something bad to his brother. And so he's like sort of trying to find some sort of reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, But he goes around sniping people and shooting people very effectively, you know, when you don't expect it. But the thing that I think makes him like the Eldar is his, his ultimate power, which is to unleash two dragons two giant dragons that yeah. basically like if they touch you they automatically kill you it's like the they, ultimate they don't, d weapon they don't do they, i mean they don't automatically kill it but they like do like stupidly high amounts of damage and if you're essentially if you're in their way and they move through walls by the way oh they yeah move through walls the dragons, yeah and so if you're in their way you're 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 dead unless you can like pop something very quickly that'll save you yeah. i don't even know what that would be for most characters so for being stupidly overpowered, we think Hanzo is the Eldar. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The next character is this oh, even more Clint Eastwood-like guy, a guy named McCree. Oh yeah. He's like a cowboy with an attitude. Yeah. And he wears a he wears like a, like a poncho, like like he's the got old, a poncho. He has like a, constantly has a cigar in yeah. his mouth. He looks like he looks like Clint Eastwood in Good, Bad, and Ugly. Yeah. Right. But he he basically fires a six shooter, and he um. And he's just he's just good with a gun. Yeah, he's good with his entire thing is he has a pistol and he's good. He has a good draw time. Yeah. Great so, uh, but the pistol is is really like powerful. Powerful. It, it, it packs a big punch. Exactly. So we think that he is the equivalent to the Imperial Guard. Yeah, mostly because like no nonsense attitude and sort of lack of crazy superpowers. That's right. But in one, the world, but, like, a, but a big gun. He has a, he has a he has a big gun. It's it's it's. It's like simple, a, but it works. But effective, exactly. You bring a big gun to a fight, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's the Imperial Guard, and that's McCree. Okay, Roadhog. Roadhog is this big, fat, you know, sort of Mad Max-looking character. He wears yeah. a gas mask. He has tattoos. He has this big old hook and chain. Yeah, exactly. He he is probably the most outwardly just sort of like crazy evil, like chaotic well, evil-looking guy. Yeah, he doesn't say much. Except, like, the occasional praise. Like, uh, I'm a one-man apocalypse. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. It's he praises of... his own skills at being bad. <laughs> okay, I thought, and I thought Reaper was uh, a little edgy there. Whew. 
Yeah. So uh, Road Roadhog, uh, we think is equivalent to Chaos Space Marines, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he's he's just like sort of he he revels in killing. Yeah, he sort of he's not. He's not a nice person. No, he's, he's entire. He's like terrible, ruthless killer who just doesn't seem like he just doesn't seem like delusional, morioso. So as he just seems just a bad person. Right. Just just like Chaos Space Marines, they're they're bad people. <laughs> they're just bad people. They're just bad people. <laughs> they turn their back on their oaths to the emperor and to humanity. Really, when you think about it, and the occasional you know planetary genocide here or there but that that but everyone does that no the whole turning their oath no no no, no. so i so, you know, roadhog roadhog is a chaos space prince uh the final the final character we were able to draw sort of parallel to is um the character symmetra she's a she's an architect for evil <laughs> architect. <laughs> is the best way to describe her in the game architect. she runs around and i this she's actually my favorite character to play yes. because she runs around and she sets up uh up to six little micro turrets mm-hmm. And each of those little turrets are like tiny little turrets and you can set them up in all these hidden places so that when somebody walks in, like this laser beam comes out from the turrets and immediately starts sapping your health as well as slowing you down. So you can set up these little kill kill zones um, with Symmetra. They're perfect for regarding the objective. Um, she's very tactical, very logical. Like you have to be able to play her and um, you're not going to be on the front lines. Yeah. Basically, you just... Create a plan, put your insurance down, and then watch the carnage ensue. Yeah, you're, yeah. Essentially, your job is to just sit back, find a good spot to place your evil, evil turrets. Right. Does, you're, like you're just evil designing, laser turrets. De- designing death is, I think, you yeah, know, and that's death. that's you know consistent with her job as an architect. Um, so we see her as the being the equivalent of Zinch, <laughs> like <laughs> Zinch army. Uh, kind of like always planning schemer schemer and then just sort of watching things as things unfold like according to our master plan bad things happen and just influencing how the fight goes not being huge not being like as active as other participants however yeah so those, those are our equivalents to uh to over uh, between overwatch and, and warhammer if you guys send us an email if you guys either disagree or you can add to this list um we couldn't find parallels to the other characters like may or reinhardt or any of the other people but if you can and justify it in the warhammer way kind of way let, let us know send us an email let us know i i am spending way too much time playing overwatch yes yeah in fact probably well, when we finish podcasting we'll probably play a game or two probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay finally other news so the facts faqs keep on rolling from gw yes and this week they released the tau faq and it had one really interesting little correction um in yeah. the faq basically it said <laughs> that if you're running a kv-128 storm surge mm-hmm. and you deploy your anchors and then someone tank shocks you, the question is, what happens? You have the old problem of the immovable object meeting the irresistible force. GW says that in that scenario, if the storm surge is anchored and somebody tank shocks it, it destroys the storm surge. Which is perhaps one of the most spectacular, just amazingly hilarious things. It, it just evokes images, it evokes hilarious images of space rings jumping out of rhinos as they ran <laughs> into the storm, as to a storm surge, just explode. <laughs> well, you just get a battle damage company and like all rhinos head towards the storm surge, just full on, 
Full combat speed, all the way. Yeah, Don't talk, even shoot. Yeah. Just, just, just ram it. That is, this really is uh, dissuading, certainly is dissuading people from um, anchoring their storm surges now. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of dumb. I mean, anchoring a storm surge is always a, like a tactical question. Do you want to do it? Because the other thing that happens when you do that is you lose your smash attacks. Yeah, I mean... You don't want that. You there. don't want that because that's probably one of the most powerful, you know, stomp attacks. attacks. Stomp, stomp attacks, right? Stomp attacks, uh, stomp yeah, attacks. stomp attacks. It's probably one of the most powerful things in the game. It's like a D weapon of sorts. So I, I typically don't anchor my storm surge unless it's sitting far back in a corner. Yeah. And I, if it's sitting far back in a corner and I, I expect that I'm not going to be um, deep struck in for a couple of turns or the army isn't going to reach me for a couple of turns, then I'll, then I'll do it because yeah. why not take a second shooting attack? But now, now you got to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. that's, because now it's like even like riskier now because um, you could just get destroyed outright. Like your eight, your eight wounds, you feel no pain. Whatever like points you've spent on protection for this thing. Like, because everyone spends points on like the shielding, giving yeah. it an invuln save and giving it feel no pain and this and that. And then it just, it gets killed by a rhino. 55-point rhino would just kill that storm surge, that 400-point storm surge. Or whatever your preferred transport yeah. is. As long as it's a tank, it can tank shock. Yeah. That's right. There's even an orc on a bike of oh, some yeah. kind. There's an orc on the bike who has like a special rule that he can like tank shock with because his bike is like this crazy customized. Right. It has like a jet engine on the back. So he, which is even more action movie-ish to send your, <laughs> to have an orc. <laughs> jump off his bike and set it flying at a storm surge like some sort of crazy missile that's that's pretty funny oh, wave, wave serpents also kind of stinks and they can they can, they tank can do that. Shock, so um so watch out tau storm surge people are gonna try and run you down Trans- yeah. transports are coming for you uh as a result of that faq i i, I revisited the marker light rules and it turns out that this entire time i've been playing marker lights wrong yeah <laughs> yeah so i this is this is me realizing i made like a huge mistake and when i started playing tau and everyone i've played against has not questioned it but everybody who i've played against hasn't really isn't that familiar with the tau yeah so they kind of just accepted what i've said so what what, what i was doing and what's incorrect is that i would have marker lights light up a target like a yeah. unit or something um say it's a, a unit of pathfinders and let's say we light up a unit with like three marker light tokens, right? Yeah. Right. Um, I would cash in those tokens and then say that every other unit shooting at the one that was lit up mm-hmm. got the benefit of the marker lights. And that's just wrong. As yeah. It, as it turns out. Individual units that were shooting at the at the lit up target spend the points. They spend the points themselves for their unit to get the benefit of the marker light. But yeah. it doesn't mean everybody else in the in your Tau army gets gets the um, benefits of the marker lights if as long as you have unspent tokens another unit can continue to cash in tokens to get plus one ballistic skill or ignore cover or launch d missiles or whatever it is you're going to use the marker lights for so all the games that we've been playing in our escalation league which we'll we'll get to after the break yeah have been have come at a a disadvantage to you yeah because of of the marker because of the way i played marker lights would you th- do you think that would have made a difference in in the results that we've been seeing in the games? Well, I I think I I, I really doubt it. I think the tower the tower still. I mean, they're still they're still like one of the big three anyway. Despite this, uh, this despite this mistake about the rules. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think it would have made 
too much. I guess it would have just been you had to play the Markovites a little bit more tactically, but I don't think that would have been too difficult on determining like who shoots at what target. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I agree. I think it probably would have prolonged games or would yeah. have, you know, maybe I, I would have lost more units or something, or you wouldn't have lost units as fast. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the ultimate results probably stay the same. It, yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't revisit history, but you know, that's it. Okay, so when we come back, um, we're actually going to recount the last game in our Escalation uh, scenario with the Cult Mechanicus versus the Tau when we return. back this is our final game 1850 Cole Mechanicus versus Tau let me go over my list and then you can go over your list okay so I have for my HQs a cadre fireblade a commander who was a buff manner so he gets the command and control node the pure and ground touch basically he's Batman he gets he gets all <laughs> the upgrades as long as he doesn't shoot the unities with gets all the upgrades I had two elites I had a, a riptide and then I and the Riptide had the uh, cyclic ion cannon thing. What did it have? Um, it had the uh, oh ion uh, the ion accelerator and a smart missile system. I had a unit of crisis battle suits, one with two plasma guns, one with two fusion blasters, and one with the cyclic ion blaster, along with a gun drone. For my troops, I had one breacher team and a devilfish. Mm-hmm. And then I had two strike teams, one unit of 10 fire warriors and another unit of five fire warriors. The unit of 10 fire warriors had the, the missile pod, the you know extra little missile pod. Uh, for my fast attack, I had two Pathfinder teams consisting of four Pathfinders. And for my heavy support, I had, I had one unit that consisted of two broadsides and four marker drones. Finally, my Lord of War was the KV-128 Storm Surge. I, I couldn't upgrade it with its shield because of uh, I ran out of points. And I also uh, was forced to use the Pulse Blast Cannon, which is that D Blast Cannon, but it has a much shorter range. It has a range of only up to 30. It, it, shoots, um, it shoots at Strength 9 at uh, 20 to 30 inches, Strength 10 AP3 at 10 to 20 inches, and then it shoots Strength D AP1 at uh, up to 10 inches. Um, so that, that, oh, and then finally I had an optimized stealth cadre with one ghost kill and two unit of stealth suits. So that's my army. Okay. Indeed. Tell us yours. Well, the, uh, mighty Clint Mechanicus are coming in hot with the, a squad of Sakaran infiltrators, uh, Sakaran rust stalkers, uh, two squads, uh, two five man squads of Rangers, two five man squads of Vanguard, Iron Strider Balistari. Uh, one Oniger Dune Crawler, ooh, the deck, the tech priest Dominus, and his uh, Castellan Robot Maniple Escort. Man, those guys are just tough. Two squads of Cataphron de- Destroyers, uh, with, all with Grav, because why not? Who everyone loves Grav, and of course that that tiny filler of points, the perhaps the greatest unit in this entire army. 
The Electro Priests. The Electro Priests are back. Oh yeah, <laughs> they were your all stars in the last game. The Corpus Guard. <laughs> the uh, they're they're the Jazz Hands variant, not the Staff variant. Right. Jazz Hands. Jazz Hands. Jazz Hands. <laughs> okay. So we played an interesting scenario. We 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 played. Um, we rolled on Eternal. Um, the Eternal uh, War missions yeah. and we got the kill point mission yep <laughs> so already that was going to be tough <laughs> coming uphill battle for you oh right yes uh but as a variant <clears throat> we did a couple things to, to sort of spice up the the map a little bit mm-hmm. yes, we, we in the middle of the of the map we put in uh, a plasma obliterator and then we we built in a mechanic that at the top of every turn the plasma obliterator would shoot in a random direction and put its giant seven-inch massive pie plate of strength seven plasma AP two death mm-hmm. over whatever unit it did. So it was totally random. Um, we would roll the scatter dice twice, once to set an initial sort of like uh, point of departure, yeah. and secondly to determine the final landing point for yeah. the plasma. Um, so that was random variable number one. Random variable number two. <laughs> Was it? There was a there was a death world, right? That's the scenario. Uh, I think it was demon world. Demon world. It was a demon world where the uh, this final battle was happening, and in the midst of this was a a, a random Mahler fiend, and so the <laughs> Mahler fiend would start in the center of the map, and using a similar mechanic, um, would randomly just be placed. Yeah, and then they would go on autopilot. And what we agreed to was that. The Mahler Fiend would be drawn to its nearest unit and yep. then attempt to move to the nearest unit and then attack it using its Mahler Fiendness. <laughs> Mahler Fiendness, yes. <laughs> to do it. So that so we had two random elements in this that could go against either one of us. Um, the plasma obliterator firing, firing blindly. Oh, uh, our, our fluff behind it was that it was it had been overtaken by a, a maddened Jokero. <laughs> I mean, a Jokero son somehow got into it. <laughs> yeah, as I was firing wherever. Right, <laughs> this sort of crazy Jokero. Probably a touch of the warp on him. You know. Yeah, it is a demon world. Yeah, and then uh, and then the Mollerfiend running around um, trying to kill whatever it came in contact with. <laughs> so that was that was just for fun. We funsies. We did that. You won the roll off to um, set up. So you picked. You had me set up first. Yep. Right, and then um, you won the roll off to determine whether to. Uh, okay, so you did that. You you picked the sides, and and then you got to determine who went first. And so, um, I went first. You didn't seize. So. Let's go over what happened. All right. So in the first turn, I set up the bulk of my army toward this toward the center with the Riptide and the Fire Warriors manning a um, a defense point um, mm-hmm. right in the middle. So they were they were in place. It, it gave the Riptide a commanding field of view, and right next to the Riptide was the Storm Surge again, right toward the middle of my my sort of the rear of my my line. Mm-hmm. That way, I could sort of pick and choose targets on the field, right? Without having, always, yeah. always trying to be in, in range. Off to my, off to my left flank, I, uh, in an elevated position were the broadsides and, and their marker drones so that they could, they had a pretty good view of the battlefield. But you had smartly set up the bulk of your army on the opposing corner. So they were, I think they were just out of range of my broadsides. Yeah. And then on my on my right flank, I set up a small unit of fire warriors and pathfinders, just to sort of like, yeah, honestly, sort of to act like a lure. Huh? Uh. Yeah, they were acting like a lure because the majority of my of my my gun line was in the middle and clearly had range on those guys. 
Yeah. And I figured you might go for them, get close to them, because especially with your rust stalkers and infiltrators and like you know close combat guys, mm. and then I could just pour fire into them. So that was that was my plan. That was my plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. So turn one, the plasma went off, and 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 miraculously hit nothing. nothing. Hit nothing. And there was a lot of stuff on the field. It hit nothing. Mm. The Mahler fiend left its Mahler fiend cave or whatever, <laughs> forge or whatever it came from, yeah. and was sort of in my neighborhood. Yeah. Right? And they're just sort of hanging around my neighborhood. Not not close enough to attack anything yet, but just sort of hanging or snuffling around looking for yeah. a victim. So when I finally I finally I, uh, moved, I, I really pretty much didn't move because it's a Tau gun line, so they don't they don't. Yeah, really you move. don't. You just sort of... I shot, I shot, I shot the Riptide. I shot uh, the cluster rockets from the uh, Storm Surge mm-hmm. and the broadsides into your one unit of your Catafron destroyers, your heavy grab ones, and uh, and kill those. So there was one unit dead from that, and then I think I killed a couple of Rangers with some splash over from one of my pie plates or something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I think that was that was that was my uh, turn one. I got one victory point for um, destroying your Catafron destroyers. When you were destroyed. So that was that was my turn one. What happened in your turn one? My turn one was basically consisting of just marching forward because I figured it would be fun to go out into Pickett's Charge considering I've lost three of four of these games at that point. So I was like, yeah, yeah why it's, not? It's kind of Gettysburg. You're like, yeah, yeah Pickett's Charge. Just just try to charge not? the northern lines. Let's, let's, let's change it up. Let's see what happens. Maybe this will be different. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's what Pickett was was thinking <laughs> if we just run at them they'll break let's see what, let's 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 it's, it's worth a shot <laughs> yeah um let's rush the cat that was your strategy let me rush the towel gun line yeah because at that point I was like well nothing else has worked for me can't beat if you can't beat him in a gun line fight why not try to beat them at what they're bad at okay yeah right get get in close combat Okay, yeah. so you you ran up your um your uh, what did you run up? What unit did you run up? All except um, all except my uh, Balistari and my Dune Crawler. Right. Oh, and my and the remaining squad squad of uh, destroyers who just sort of hung back as well. Everyone else, the uh, Dominus robot Death Star ran up. The Electro Priest. Uh, tap danced forward. <laughs> always, always entertaining. Yeah, always, always. Uh, Vanguard Rangers ran up my uh, infiltrators who had infiltrated earlier, and were being looked eyed by the uh, Mauer fiend, who miraculously just sort of wasn't immediately in range to kill me. Uh, we just sort of ran from that. Oh yeah, because we because it failed. No, it failed right. its charge. You, you you ran up close to it. You had infiltrated close to it. We infiltrated close to it. It appeared next next to your I think your infiltrators. Yeah, and then we ran, and, and then it failed. Its, its yeah, charge. it failed its charge. It failed its charge, so it didn't it didn't quite get them. Yeah, so we ran out the so we ran and we were in the um in a building, so we ran out the door. <laughs> yeah, we ran out the door. <laughs> you ran screaming from the away from the Mauler fiend. And we're like, no, I'm not and, dealing and, with and, that. And headlong into my devilfish. Yes, headlong into your devilfish. Right. Uh, with plans to mess that thing up and and mess it up you did yes you, uh, you those plus two strength taser goads or made short work of uh, a rear armor 10 on that thing so you blew up my devilfish in the in the first turn for you yeah and 
And I think you also killed a couple of fire warriors with your neutron laser from your Onager Dune crawler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. took a pot shot. You took a pot shot, and, and it was, you're always paranoid about that thing, and it never and it never performs, and it never performs that well, really. And just sort of fires off a shot or two, and then you kill it. It's like, oh well. Yeah, I know. I always, you know what? I because I think that it's going to do more damage than it does. I I'm just paranoid about it, and I want it dead. So in this case, and the same thing happened to me again. I was just blinded by its potential fury. <laughs> Not its actual damage, but its potential fury. And so I usually just go after it. I'm a sucker for like, you know, trying to take down what I perceive to be the big bully on the block. Bark worse than its bite. Totally, totally, totally. Every single time, every single game. And so I've gone after it every single time, like right away in the first turn. The first thing I was like, target priority. And and that was a mistake because this is a kill points game, so I should have gone for squishier targets. Yeah, rather a bunch of squishy targets right. rather than but the I, one. But like, I dedicated a lot of fire into that thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty much my turn. The breachers popped out of their devil fish. Yep. And I, the infiltrators, behind the haze of static that was now filling their vision. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was it. So my turn two, the breachers that were inside the devil fish had jumped out, you know, made yeah. emergency disembark. And I moved them within, you know, five inches of your infiltrators, thinking that with my pulse carbines or pulse blasters that they would make short work. It's strength six AP3 shooting. Mm-hmm. At that range, they each had two shots. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm just going to shred you guys up, right? <laughs> so I positioned them close to your uh, infiltrators. Yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten about the stupid infiltrator, you know, <laughs> ability to reduce weapon skill, ballistic skill, Oh, initiative, initiative and leadership and leadership. <laughs> it's really annoying. Yeah. You know, these little radioactive dudes that are out there weakening your, your forces. Yeah. So that wasn't, that was annoying because you reduced my ballistic skill. But I, I think I didn't really move much. My crisis suits and commander came in and they, yeah. they deep struck in your backfield. Oh yeah. Right behind your little um, tech dominus and Castellan robot death star. Yep. So my aim was to get a warlord kill early. I had, Fusion blasters. I had plasma guns. Yeah, right. I wonderful. Had, it was right. all wonderful. I could I could re-roll hits. Yeah, it was there. There's so many toys. Yeah, I had all these. I had all these toys. And by the way, I forgot to re-roll hits. You forgot to. Oh yeah, that would have. <laughs> forgot. I totally forgot to re-roll hits. That so would have helped. That, that was the the buff manager's ability, and I I I blew it. I, I oh man. Yeah. So 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 in my turn two, I I shot everything with the crisis suits at your tech dominus. Failed to do any damage. Again, I forgot to reroll their hits because of the commander's ability. It just mm-hmm. it, I forgot it. I'm going to write it down next time. And then I I panicked. So <laughs> in their jump phase, jump pack phase, I had rolled the warlord trait that had allowed them to, to jump 3d6 yeah. when it's the warlord unit. Totally forgot about that. So they only jumped away 2d6 and then I rolled poorly. <laughs> I think they jumped like five inches or yeah, something stupidly. Like that. Yeah, so they were very much in range of basically three fourths of your army. Yep. Yep. So, so I knew this was going to go poorly for the commander in his crisis suits after they just shot and missed your your warlord. Um, I ended up shooting at your infiltrators with my with my breachers. Yeah. And because of the reduced ballistic skill. Mm. I think I killed two of them. You killed like, yeah, like, yeah, I think you did kill like, no, you killed one. I killed one of them. Yeah, you killed one of them. You only killed one. I killed one of them. And then, and then. The rest is sort of kept I'm, on. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get assaulted and I'm just going to get 
you know, killed. But I also saw that the Mollerfiend was right behind you. Yeah. So I thought that the Mollerfiend is probably going to come come eat you guys, and then and then I'll be fine. Yeah. So so I didn't feel too badly about the fact that I only killed one of you. Yeah. Right. Um, I did a lot of shooting against the Honor Dune Crawler. You made all your cover saves. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. I didn't have. I did. I did poorly with my Mark Light, so I yeah. wasn't able to ignore cover on that turn. So anyway, so I think that was the bulk of it. I just it, it was a bad turn two for me. It didn't really do much damage to your to your army. Okay, so what happened for you? Turn my two. my turn two, in which I think I got up. I think I ended up getting assaulted by the Mauler Fiend. I in the previous turn, so I had gotten so my um. Secure and infiltrators actually were putting up quite a fight, surprisingly enough. That whole that weapon skill reduction. Well, actually, the weapon skill reduction didn't do much, but the taser goad certainly did. It gave them at least a fighting chance. And I pretty much for the rest of my running, I pretty much just advanced again. Uh, my rust stalkers were able to slip around a around a bend, and were able to get in a good charging range of your breachers. Who are yeah? Who are now affected by the electrostatic? So that was good. Yeah, I'm impressed uh, by the rust stalkers and infiltrators. They have what's called Dune Strider, which allows them to move nine inches. Yep. So it's it's basically plus three inches yep. um, um, to whatever movement. To whatever movement. So whether it's to run, run or just a normal move yep. or the assault. So they're really really fast. So next thing, I mean, suddenly I had all these rust stalkers in my face. Yeah, I am. I moved. I actually. Oh, I actually moved my um, electro priests and my um, robot squad in a position to charge your now vulnerable warlord, who was just sort of like oh, sitting sitting there. So I figured, hey, this is quite the opportunity. So I declared Overwatch, and then well, actually, wait. Okay. First, I shot at them. You shot I, shot at, I shot at them. Oh, yeah. I, uh, and you end up you end up killing my plasma guy right away. My I, plasma crisis suit. Yeah, I ended up killing your plasma crisis suit right away. I think I killed another guy. With and, um, was it? I think it might have been a grav that got him. Yeah, it was grav. I think it was grav that got him. And then you put a wound on my commander. Yeah, I put a wound. I put a wound on your commander. I think. Uh, and it, that was all fired from the from the Castellan robots, which yeah. you had torrent flamers. I think had done some it was, damage. It was the. It was uh, oh, it was the um actually. One of your guys was killed by the eradication ray from the uh, tech dominus. Tech dominus. Yeah, yeah, that thing's nasty. Yeah, uh, especially at close range. Yeah, strength. It's like a melta gun. Yeah. So yeah, that was so that was my um, shooting phase. Really, I didn't do much else in the way of shooting. I think it took some shots with the iron strider, but that didn't do turn out well. So then the assault phase comes around. Rust doggers moving on breachers. They get Overwatch, but they don't get but no real damage. I think maybe like a wound on one guy. Uh, they just annihilate the entire squad. Yeah, my breachers died quickly. Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was red mist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. So the robots and the tech priest Dominus moved in. Proceed like before the actually after the um electro priest charge to absorb that whatever overwatch fire was there yeah you smartly threw in your electro priest so they would basically engage overwatch yep and i killed one priest and then they made their charge yep right and then and then you charge in with the rest your heavy hitters yeah and i actually challenged your warlord to a duel and i accepted the challenge two very non close combat units Exactly. Flailing at each other. <laughs> so it was kind of a slap fight. Slap fight. So that, that I ended up taking a couple of turns. Yeah. 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 
Um, me and my power axe. Yeah. Um, and my yeah, I think the the robots that and the electro priest, however, just sort of cleaned house. Yeah, you guys wiped out the remaining crisis suits. Yeah. Yeah. The, so it was just basically my commander left fighting your tech dominus. Okay, so then we went to turn three. Turn three, I think, is when things started turning around for the Tau. My optimized stealth cadre, who had eliminated the bulk of your Cataphon destroyers in turn one, killed your your Onega Doom Crawler and yep. then started moving toward the bulk of your army. And I knew I knew I was going to lose my my warlord, but I kind of didn't care. I, then I started moving up the Riptide. I started moving up the Storm Surge. The Fire Warriors gun line had reduced your um, infiltrators and rust stalkers to one of each. No, it was one rust stalker and two infiltrators. Oh, and two, two infiltrators. Though the infiltrators right. were killed were um killed off. The two infiltrators were killed off by the Mollerfiend, but they eventually put the Mollerfiend away. But I, I, I didn't, there wasn't much. It was kind of mop up in yeah. that section. The real action was going to happen, and that word the bulkier army had just finished off. Basically, ended up finishing off my commander. Yeah. Right. So I, I was basically positioning all my heavy hitters, my Riptide, who had no wounds at this point, my Storm Surge, who had no wounds at this point, and was packing the deep cannon, started moving toward um, your your army, mm-hmm. as well as a full and healthy optimized stealth cadre, mm-hmm. which is a ghost kill and two stealth suits. Um, at this point, I think I had, I had lost my crisis suits, my commander. I had lost two fire warriors <laughs> and my breachers. Yeah. And, but everything else was still alive and kicking and shooting. All right, yeah. so that was my turn three. What, what happened in turn three? I actually moved up my remaining Rust Stalker and Infiltrators in to charge your Fire Warriors. Uh, the, the Infiltrators, I don't think, could at that point because they actually they actually charged... Oh, no, they they charged uh, two drones that were from the Devilfish. They oh, that's got right. attached from the Devilfish. That's right. Killed those guys. I didn't really do much besides some maneuvering of Vanguard and kill and like finishing up like your warlord yeah i i killed some like straggling rangers or something in my turn three just like a couple of single units here and there single models here and there yeah and then seeing the oncoming gun line (laughs) i was like ah well it's 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 one in the morning and i'm tired and i know i know what's gonna happen yeah it it looked i i I think that was, you conceded, and I think that was the right move. I, I didn't really think the cult mechanic has had much of a chance against a, a full and healthy yeah. Riptide Storm Surge and whole, a optimized stealth cadre c- coming for you. Yeah, ha- ha- half of it really was, <laughs> half of it really was, I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we, it, was, it was late. It was, we started late. We and, started late, and yeah. we had some, like, we had, I think we had some, like, breaks. Yeah, yeah we, we had, had some, some breaks, breaks in between rounds. Pizza breaks. So we were like, uh, let's call it. Yeah, call it a night. Yeah, or a morning. Normally, I, I normally I would say finish it out, but yeah, I, but I, in this case, it was, it was yeah, it, it was, was it, it it was you it technically okay, anything could happen, but really the result was more than likely going to be. I was listening. Victory. I was listening to the Preferred Enemies podcast, and I think they were talking about. I mean, they're always talking about how to how to build a better community and like yeah. sort of you know rules to make the make the game better and enjoy it more. And one of the topics was when when should you concede, mm. you know? And I think they talked about, hey, if you're if you if you agree to play to if you agree to play a game, and you go and you show up at the, your local game shop, and somebody's there, and they brought their models, they pack their models, they they them on the table they unpacked them they set up they deployed you pick the missions you pick the warlord trade you pick the psychic powers whatever and then you get a bad first turn and then some people like the one at all cost i player says oh 
oh, well, I can't possibly win now. You killed my whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, forget it. I concede. Whatever. Like, that's bad sportsmanship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. This, and so what they, what they said, I thought made sense, is like, you really shouldn't be conceding till at least turn three. Yeah. You know, at turn three, you might be able to, yeah. s- to see that, you know, where things are going to go. Yeah. You know, at that point. And then it feels like everyone at least had a chance to play the game. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, just like bad, a bad sportsmanship decision yeah. where like, or oh, like, oh, wow. Either the roles didn't go your way or your opponent did something to you, your army, and then you're just, you just get salty and mad and, yeah. you know, whatever. Sort of yeah. and this, this this is to say that this was a situation where we're a we're both tired because it's you know yeah. like one in the morning, and then two it was it looked pretty evident that the towel was just going to circle and shoot. Yeah, and it wasn't the D was coming my way, and I the was D, like, yeah, yeah, the D no, can't, can't, can't deal with that right now. So in the uh, wow, and so in the whole escalation scenario here, we went from five hundred points to seven fifty to one thousand to fifteen hundred. To 1850, the Tau every single one. Yep, every single one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every single one. I I don't think it's because of my superior generalship. <laughs> I honestly don't because, as listeners know, I lose often to Alec. It's with other armies, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just it's there is a certain power structure in the armies, and. In this particular situation, I just happened to be on the short end of the stick for a little while. Uh, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. I was I was really testing the waters and see what worked against because it was still like because uh, Cold Mechanicus was untested waters for Tau, so it, it would still be interesting to see yeah. how units played against the Tau. Yeah, and um, apart from, I mean, there were turns where the cult mechanicus were great. Like, yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. they they did their canicals of stealth and shrouded, and plus one ballistic skills with the Skatari doctrina. Yeah, they sh- they shone. You know, they yeah. they, were, they were great. I think they were great in turns. I think they weren't great uh, as a great matchup overall with the Tau. No, really. So yeah. really, thus far, the most successful army against the Tau has been. The Necrons. The Necrons, because of their damn resiliency. They just won't die, man. Right. We were even when we were playing them with like the weird marker lights, they just wouldn't die. They exactly. You nothing can stop those guys. Yeah, they keep they keep resurrecting. They keep and nothing short of D, man. <laughs> right. Well, as we as we move toward LVO, obviously our battle reports will now be more varied, and we'll be playing the rest of our armies. I really want to play against the Tau uh, with uh, with my Iron Hands to see, yeah. you know, because I, I, I think at LVO, we're going to see a lot of Tau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably see things like, see like the Taunar, you know, supremacy suit. There'll be a few people bringing things like that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So certainly. I want to I do that. And then I want to obviously, you know, face Eldar. I'm really happy about the Eldar FAQ that says that Warp Spider's can basically use their jump when targeted they can jump away only one once, once. yeah because that's oh my god that's a huge change because otherwise just shooting at you you don't bother shooting at them really because you, no, you like can't. what else what are you gonna they're do, just really gonna, do they're just gonna jump away and then and then you wasted your shooting at them but yeah. the fact that that one unit can shoot at them and then they they either jump or they don't you know gives you a greater chance of wiping them out with yeah. the remainder of your of your shooting army so so that that's a good change. Um, the ITC has not officially adopted the draft FAQ. 
Yeah what, yeah, yeah. what they said after a vote from the community was that they would only adopt the FAQs after they became final, which I think makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, it really, really makes some. Right. The LVO is happening in February, so there's a, in all likelihood, GW's FAQ will become final before then. Yeah, hopefully. And I and I think this this those sort of like the the Eldar you know warp spider um, clarification will probably stay in effect. I don't know whether the drop pod door <laughs> door will, will yeah, stay in effect. That's, that's going to be weird, right? I I think hopefully with um, community feedback, I think it might not. Mm-hmm. Because I think there was a little bit of a ba- there was a backlash against oh, totally. that. There was a totally. big backlash. So I'm ho- so I'm hoping GW's like, oh well, you know, yeah. our community is like not liking this. So so it's a draft, and so we'll yeah. make the, the appropriate change. Yeah. All right, that's our episode twenty two. We want to thank you for listening again. Uh, pay us a visit at our Facebook page, the Eye of Terror podcast. Look that up on Facebook. If you want to send us an email. You can reach us at the Eye of Terror Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. So until episode 23, I'm George. And I'm Alec. And we play 40K. We'll see you guys soon. Bye.